A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron and welcome to the show which delves into the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians. You might well think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin, and of course you would be right, but then again, so is everything else. And I think we should be praying in an informed way for our brothers and sisters who operate in the world of politics. Today, we'll be putting the spotlight on the Labour Party conference. It's where our guest, Marcia de Cordova, the MP for Battersea, will join us from. Marcia will give us an insight into how her party is feeling ahead of a general election next year, and will reflect back on six years in her role as MP for Battersea. But before that, this weekend we were united in shock at the devastating attack on Israel and its civilians by Hamas, launched from the Palestinian territory of Gaza. In response, Israel has declared war on Gaza. This is a huge escalation of violence in the Middle East beyond anything we have seen for 50 years. I have signed a letter from the all-party Britain-Israel parliamentary group condemning Hamas's attack and welcoming the UK's response and pledge to protect our Jewish community here. Israel has a right to defend itself, but its response will be ruthless. As a friend of Israel, I would want to urge its leaders to respond in ways that seek justice, protect its people, and does not play into the hands of evil men. As Christians, we desperately need to pray for this situation, and in the words of Psalm 122, verse 6, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Many of the Psalms cry out, how long in the midst of suffering? The cycle of violence in the Middle East will rightly bring many to cry out to God and ask how long this must go on. Let's hold the frightened citizens of the whole area in our thoughts and in our hearts and for certain in our prayers. These events have naturally overshadowed the start of the Labour Party conference in Liverpool, where Keir Starmer and his team are hoping to showcase themselves as the next party of government. With a general election widely expected in the next 12 months, Labour has a commanding lead in the polls and won a spectacular by-election victory over the SNP in Rutherglen and West Hamilton last week. However, a recent poll carried out by FGS Global and quoted by the BBC shows that voters are keener to oust the Conservatives than they are enthusiastic about what Labour has to offer. One reason for this is that few feel sure about what Labour would do in government. Understandably, Starmer's team has been tight-lipped about any big policy reveals ahead of the election period in case they're taken by other parties. Financial constraints and the crash-and-burn experience of last year's Liz Truss government also mean they are cautious not to announce any big spending policies without being sure how to finance them. So Labour faces a big challenge over the coming months. People are anxious about the future. International events feel out of our control and there's a general sense of decline and decay in our public services. Many voters have lost confidence in all politicians and what they really want is a government who will turn the country's fortunes around and offer hope and optimism. And this is Labour's challenge as they set out their store this week. Could they form such a government? But they would also need to secure a massive swing to achieve a majority in Parliament which is why there is suddenly more interest in the policies of parties such as the Lib Dems, who may hold a balance of power in a possible hung parliament. How should we be thinking and praying about the coming election period? As politically engaged Christians, we need to be wise about the sources of news that we imbibe, being alert to fake news and the rise, of course, of AI and deep fake recordings that literally put words into politicians' mouths. 
Let's pray for the exposure of such lies and attempts to influence the outcome of the election through underhand means. Pray also that voters and voting authorities would not be naive and vulnerable to the threat of deep fakes on democracy as governments frantically play catch up with this rapidly growing technology. Let's pray for wisdom for those currently making policies in all parties, that they will be alert to the real issues facing families and communities and for compassion, justice and integrity to be at the heart of their plans. In the light of so many continuing failures and uncertainties abroad and at home, we must remember that God is sovereign and that he loves our world, our nation and its people. Let's finish by reminding ourselves of Paul's encouragement in Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Also to our guest, Marcia de Cordova is the Labour MP for Battersea, has been since 2017, and she speaks to us from Labour Party Conference. How is it going there, Marcia? I'm, I'm here in what is a very sunny Liverpool. It's absolutely lovely up here, actually. The sun is shining and, you know, the atmosphere is great. Like, yeah, it's good. It's great to be back in Liverpool. And looking at how things are at the moment, uh, Labour Party ahead in the polls, a good by-election win last week in Scotland. Um, the, the bookies, uh, we don't take that much notice of the bookies, but the bookies think that Keir Starmer's <laughs> the next Prime Minister. Um, how that I assume that has an impact on how people are feeling at the conference. Well, I think one of the key things that I say, and that I believe all my colleagues and, and, and many others will always be clear on, is you know there's still a long way to go before the election. One thing we are certain of is it should be um, next year, um, and you know our we are determined and actually quite focused. Um, on you know that message of what we want to to deliver for uh, the country in terms of transforming our country and you know bringing about that real positive change after, in my opinion, thirteen years of Tory chaos and disaster and has left many of our communities um, worse off. But you know there's there's nothing you know I'm not going to shy away from the fact that we had an excellent by-election win and. Um, in Scotland last week, you, can, you know, I, it exceeded my expectations and I'm really mm. pleased um, with that result. And, you know, to say that there isn't a buzz and an atmosphere here would be a lie. I've just been walking around, speaking to and meeting people. And, and I'm sure it was the same at your conference, um, Tim. It, there's a good atmosphere and rightly so, you know, but one of the key things here is we cannot be complacent. You know, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got to, you know, get our policies in place to, you know, give the country hope change and you know something to absolutely vote for one of the key things for me is how we tackle some of the injustices and inequalities across our society and those are the things that i want us to be focusing on also yeah great and now do you feel when you when you're at conference at a time like this you're absolutely right complacency is the enemy um as you are in Obviously, um, people who are not regular party conference goers uh, may not know this, but those who are will know that particularly in your circumstances, 
lots of businesses, third sector organizations, voluntary yeah. bodies, charities, um, they will be keen to go along to conference. They're particularly keen to go along if they think you're the next government. Do you do you feel there's more scrutiny on you as a party? Do you think there's more people at your conference who are external to the Labour Party than there would be normally? I think, it, you know, it absolutely seems busier than previous mm. conferences. Yes, it certainly does. Um, and, you know, I was just walking around and, you know, meeting some of the exhibitors and there are a lot of charities here. Obviously, there's business here across all industries, which is um, really important. But, you know, the great thing about conferences is it does give um, external organisations the opportunity to see and meet with politicians and others in one place. And, that, and that's really important. It's good for all political parties, I'm sure you would agree agree with that. And it's also good for those organisations that want to engage as well, because they too have a real clear um, message and demand, and they also need to influence um, party policy, um, especially mm. if there's a party that potentially could be um, the next government in waiting, yeah. you know. So you can't, again, as I say, you can't be complacent, but absolutely, you know, there could be that possibility because I believe the country needs change. <laughs> And maybe others do as well. And so, conference for you. Um, what are your priorities <laughs> during the days of conference in Liverpool? What are the things that are taking up most of your time? So, obviously, so I've got a number. I'm speaking at a number of events. Um, obviously, Europe's still a big issue for me. Um, issues around um, disability rights, and as you know, I've been doing a lot of work around eye health. So, I'm speaking at events to to do with all of those um, issues, as well as a number of faith events as well. So. Obviously, we have our faith reception today that I'll be heading along to to meet people from all different faiths. But obviously, hopefully, there'll be a lot of um, people with, with Christian faith there as well. And Christians on the left, which is the Labour Party's uh, Christian right. organisation, mm -hmm. um, which is a great outfit. And I mm. spent a lot of time talking to many of your, your colleagues. How how visible are they at conference? Are they uh, are they very involved? Are they setting up organisations? They have um, they have fringe meetings and things like that. Yeah, I mean, the Christians on the left, as you know, they are a great organisation and, you know, they, they they kick off our conference with their, with their annual church service, which is brilliant. Um, and you have many speakers and other, you know, people usually really packed out in church, actually, um, for, for, for the, you know, for the start of conference, which I think is great. And then they have meetings and events throughout the conference season, season throughout the conference yeah. period also, which, you know, as all the other organisations, they, they have a vital role to play, you know. And being a Christian and a member of Parliament yes. in the Labour Party, how have you found that? Uh, has it been, we've talked about this last time you were on the podcast, but it's yeah, been yeah. six years since you became an MP now. Mm -hmm. Looking on a, a, on a, a turbulent period of time for all of us over this last mm -hmm. six years, but from a Christian perspective, how have you felt as a as a as a, as a faithful believer, as an MP in the Labour Party? Um, well, first and foremost, what I would say is that I don't think I could, could do what I do um, being a member of parliament if I didn't have a faith. Um, my faith really does sustain me. It gives me the strength, the courage, the confidence and the wisdom to, to do what I do. Um, I think I think faith and politics people say they should be separate but I'm a strong believer that you can't mm. do politics without faith um, actually and I'd like to see more people um, <laughs> of faith coming into politics for that very reason because you know in society we need to help shape 
the policies that affect and legislation that affects each of our lives um, mm. and ensure that there are good moral values in everything um, that we do. So I think it's really important. Um, and as a Christian, obviously, in Parliament, I'm obviously a vice chair of, of Christians in Parliament. I'm obviously a member of uh, Christians on the left. Um, as well and um, I get involved um, in all of these faith um, and Christian organizations within my own constituency as well so you know I think faith plays a crucial role in our communities but also in politics um, also and you know it's, it's a great space to be able to share your faith as well as you know you know we have fellowship groups in, in parliament which are really again you know without these spaces I think it would make being a politician quite challenging because as you know, it's not an easy, um, easy career to have, um, but also to be to do well in it, you kind of need to have that support and others coming alongside you um, as well. A mucky business with Tim Farron. We're talking to Marsha de Cordova, MP for Battersea at the Labour Party conference in Liverpool. Marsha, if I was to characterise um, what I think it's like to be a a Christian MP in the Conservative Party, I'd say that people are probably quite accepting of you, but they will assume that you will bag that up with lots of kind of Trumpian culture war stuff. Mm. And to be a Liberal Democrat MP who's a Christian, I can tell you for sure that people are very tolerant of you, but a bit suspicious and think you mm. might be a bit suspect and maybe even a bigot or something. What's it like to be a Christian Labour MP? Do you know, you'd be surprised actually, Tim. I think uh, being, being a Christian in our party, it's a very welcoming space. And we've had former prime ministers that have been Catholic or Christian, mm. um, as well as having those that don't mm. have a faith. And that's what's the beauty. That I think is one of the, the positives and actually quite a great thing in that we're a party that's a very broad church that can actually, um, regardless of your faith, or if you don't have a faith, you're still welcome. And I think every political party has to be a welcoming and a safe, safe space for everybody. I think regardless of your faith, it should be respected. I'm a Christian and I believe that my faith should and is, is respected at all times. Obviously, there are going to be those that differ. I mean, you mentioned the Conservatives and I, I, I always kind of struggle, um, not wanting to be judgmental, but I do struggle with, with, with that sometimes in the, in, in the sense that when you see so much suffering that has been inflicted by policies introduced mm. by government, you say, well, how can this be? Um, if, you know, we're there, if we're there, as Christians, we are supposed to be there to take care of those less fortunate than ourselves, or, you know, we are there to be a voice to the voiceless. Mm. My interpretation of that, I think, in many respects, is very different to, say, a Conservative MP in that space. Yeah, very good point. And and, and when you um, consider, you talked about the Labour Party being a broad church, and I, I you know, we, we observe the similarities and the differences between the parties' conference mm. uh, and yeah. the Conservative Party conference. It feels to me like it's um, an audience that's being spoken to by its leadership. Mm. In the Labour Party, you've got a, a strong track record of your conference really mattering. Um, a little bit like the Lib Dem Wonders, where the members get to really have their say. Oh, and indeed, if there yeah. are disagreements, then mm. they happen. Um, what is it, as, as a Christian who believes it's important that we should be gracious towards one another, uh, do you ever feel that there's a challenge at party conference when there are people who have very different perspectives on the way they wish the party to go? I think healthy debate is really important. 
And I think that's what make conferences. As long as it's always done in a courteous and a, and a respectful way, I think you can respectfully choose to disagree. I think mm. that's democracy, you know, and one of the beautiful things about our conferences is that's what happens. You can have a debate on the conference floor about an issue and, you know, everyone may not agree, but that's fine mm. because, you know, we're still mm. one family. You know, our party is also made up of ordinary folks, you know, trade unions are represented here, our affiliates and socialist societies, as well as, you know, just activists and party members, you know, very broad group of people from so many different backgrounds um, but yet we can all come together collectively on the one mission and one cause and that really is about debating policy but ultimately we want the best policy so that we can be the best united party to go forward um, to, to hopefully elect a Labour government I mean that ultimately is why we are all here <laughs> none of us want to be in opposition I certainly don't I want to elect um, you know I want Labour to be elected as the next government with, with Keir Starmer as our Prime Minister so a general election takes place at some point. Oh, who knows? Probably this time next year, but it could be soon. Uh, could be I'd like to see. I heard, I, know, I heard someone predict the 10th of October. The 10th of October. There you go. Someone well, predict, be, yeah, well, I heard someone, someone predict that. That's not my prediction. I, I've taken that from someone else. Is that a Thursday? Let's first of all check it's a Thursday. Let's <laughs> for some reason they're always on a Thursday. I can't yeah. remember why. There is a reason. Someone will write in and tell us. But I mean, let's say us. it's elected. They will. Um, and so I'm sure there's loads of things, right, Marsha? But uh, if there's one thing, Labour gets, let's Labour gets a majority at the next general election. Mm. What's the one thing you want Labour to do in government more than anything else? That's unfair to give me one thing. But what I will... <laughs> Pick anything then. Yeah, <laughs> but what I will say, first of all, I mean, the most important thing for us as a, as a country, right, we've, we have got to create... Um, a country we've got we've got to tackle some of the inequalities and injustices that exist right that is that is crucial i think and that's the most important thing but i, I also would like to see um you know the issues like you know us creating a more inclusive and accessible society and we do that by incorporating what's called the un convention on the rights of disabled mm. people and if i mm. see us you know we've committed to that um previously and i'm sure we're going to go on and deliver that but I think that really will create a more equal society for disabled people who I believe over the past 13 years have been treated in an abhorrent and cruel, inhumane way by a conservative government. And, you know, I want us to redress that imbalance. Naturally, I'm going to want to see us tackle the climate emergency, which I know we will do, and build more homes and housing. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that was, that was three or four, four. things. They were, all, they were all good. They were all good. My, my answer to that question is always build a load of council houses, but there you go. Yeah, um, but well, I, oh, so... exactly. Oh, yes. <laughs> but that, So now then, so you've been, you've been doing this for six years. I mean, it's a, a, a tumultuous time um, uh, through Brexit, through early general elections oh, and all yeah. the rest of it and the, and the plague and all the rest of it. Are you still loving it? Do you still enjoy being an MP? Absolutely. It is such a privilege and an honour to do our job. You'd agree with that. You know, mm. your constituents elect you. You get to be their voice and their representative in Parliament, but also locally. And, you know, one of one of the great things about what, what we do, you know, we, we, we can try and make a difference. We can try mm. and change people's lives. That, to me, is, is, is fundamental. And that's why I love what I do. And, I, you know, long may it continue until God says your time's up. But 
you know, I hope I continue to go on and represent my constituents really well um, and do a good job for them on the issues that matter to them. Marsha, in terms of what we finish off with, I'd, I'd love us to have sure. a bit of an idea from you. Um, mm. what, what, what do you think people who listen to this podcast, Christians of all different political persuasions and none, mm. what, what should they be praying for when it comes to Labour and to you? <laughs> um, that would win the next election. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely fine to ask. <laughs> Obviously. No, 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 but, you know, we continue to, you know, we continue to be, you know, make wise decisions and choices that we remain a united party um, as we go forward um, into that general election and that, you know, people vote for change. Well, Marsha, we're really grateful to you for being with us again and for your very faithful witness in Parliament, <laughs> in your constituency and at the conference at Liverpool. And uh, we've really, really, really enjoyed having you with us. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Good to see you. Take care. Each week, we give you the opportunity for you to ask any question you'd like about this mucky business of politics. It may be how an aspect of this world impacts us Christians who work within it, or maybe there's a particular issue that you're struggling to make sense of. I'd love to hear from you and attempt an answer, so please drop me an email to farron at premier.org.uk. Well, this week, Jack in Scotland has been in touch with a question about our recent episode with Kate Forbes. He says this, as I understand it, although you and Kate Forbes agree theologically, remarriage, your policy positions differ. You voted in favour of it, but Kate said she would have voted against. Adultery is a sin, for example, but not legislated against. Where do you see the line for legislation? And why do you think Christians like yourself and Kate come to different political views, remarriage, even if your theological views are similar? Can Christians debate against each other on this? Ah, oh, Jack, it's a great question. I think... Yes. First of all, I think it's important that Christians should not deviate from the teaching of the Bible. Um, I also think we need to remember that when we are talking about how we run society, that I think compromise is OK. I don't believe in a theocracy. And I think it is good if we don't have a state religion, which is why, for example, I'm in favour of disestablishing the Church of England. Um, Yes, Kate and I, I think, probably are of the same view in terms of what the Bible teaches about sex and sexuality. And we differed slightly. Um, first of all, Kate was not in Parliament uh, when the issue came before the Scottish Parliament. I was when it came before us in the UK Parliament. And I took the view, at second reading at least, that I would vote to permit same-sex marriage, even though I felt that the Bible taught something else. I think in the end, and I struggled, I really struggled with it, in the end I took the view that it's not my job as a Christian to legislate, to make people who are not Christians live as though they were. I don't see any advantage in it. I've often quoted or paraphrased Edmund Burke, who said, all the laws against the godless have not saved one single soul, which is rather archaic language, but I hope you see where he was getting at. Um, nevertheless, it's not to say that my faith doesn't have an impact on how I vote. It clearly does, uh, and has an impact on my view of other human beings, the fact they're all made in the image of God, they're incredibly incredibly valuable, forgiveness is vital, caring for the poor is vital, and obviously obeying what God has to tell us about relationships is vital as well. I'm just not sure that the law is the right way, but I'm sure it's not, to dictate how people choose to live. Um, so divorce is permissible, even in the Bible. 
even though we recognize it's not a thing that is ordinarily a good thing. Um, so there you are. Kate and I agree, I think, theologically and would have voted slightly differently in Parliament, largely because I just think that we're advertising, promoting the gospel well and effectively if we are telling people that a God they don't believe in tells them they must live a certain way and that I'm going to legislate to make them. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, let's end our time together in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for our sister, Marsha de Cordova, and her faithful witness to you um, at the Labour Party conference in Liverpool. Uh, we asked Marsha what we should pray for, and she asked for unity. She asked for um, the party to be uh, together. And we pray, Lord, for the Labour Party to be a party where um, discussions and opinions of all kinds are permitted and tolerated and where there is there are positive outcomes. We, we pray it's good for the country, good for democracy, for the official opposition to present a good, viable alternative. So we pray that they would they would do that and, and that the offer from the Labour Party will be something that gives real choice to uh, British voters, however they choose to cast their vote. But Lord, we especially want to bring before you Israel and we want to bring to you Jewish people in the UK as well. We pray for peace in Israel. We pray for justice. We pray for safe return of hostages. We pray um, for the grieving families of those who have lost loved ones. Um, we pray for wisdom for Israel's leaders that as they uh, respond, they would do so with wisdom uh, and with justice. And we pray for uh, Jewish people in the UK, um, fearful at the moment of potential reprisals. And we pray that they will be supported and loved by their neighbours of all faiths and backgrounds. Lord, we pray also for the people of Palestine. Um, we pray for their peace and for their freedom uh, and for their well-being too. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would be in the midst of that suffering, drawing people to you and bringing end to that suffering. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget you can catch up on past episodes which feature interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premier.plus forward slash A Mucky Business. It's been great having you with us. Thank you. Thank you.